is a Bramble Jam podcast. Well, hi there, everybody. It's Bran. I love Hallmark movies. I'm Dan, and I despise Hallmark movies. And I'm Brooke, and you can watch me in Hallmark movies. And this is is the Deck the Hallmark Hallmark podcast. Good gosh. There is zero excuse. I can tell you exactly what happened. Just the lack of professionalism (laughs) and decorum. I can tell you exactly what happened. You, you, why, why even come to work? I can tell you exactly. Just do it from home, well, One, it's a, it's a Labor Day. No Monday. It's a Tuesday. We don't usually record on Tuesdays. Very off. And then I messed up earlier today, and now I'm just really is this, worried about the buttons. Is this because Panda's not here? You got it. Is I feel very off. Gotta, I don't like being this close to you. Yeah, it's weird. But you got a lot. You got a lot of goofing to, to make up. For yeah, a lot of goofing to make up. For. A lot That's of exactly goofing. Right. Uh, Panda can't be with us today. He's a little bit under the weather, and we're all sorry about that. Panda. Panda, mm-hmm. uh, please get better soon. We need yes, you here. Brand needs to get better with the buttons, and apparently that's your fault. So get, get <laughs> it, it together. Certainly isn't mine. But that's, certainly isn't mine. That's not going to stop us. No. from moving forward. From moving forward. That's exactly right. No way. Uh, it's a really exciting day. Uh, friend of the show. She was actually on uh, season one. Season um, one. That's right. And she joined us like for. What's that? OG. That's yeah, right. It was an That's OG. right. And, yeah. we, and we were reviewing a movie and she joined us at the end and it was a lot of fun. She's She came to a live show that we did. That's right. LA. We saw her in LA. That's right. Um, and so uh, it just, you know, it's so good to finally have her on for a formal interview where we get to talk about all sorts of stuff. Brooke Nevin, welcome to the pod. Thanks, guys. I lo- I'm loving this format that I get to see you as we're having this conversation. Right? It's yeah. like, um, the internet's really something. It's it's something. Pe- people can say what they want to about the internet. Now, but now buttons, on the other hand, buttons different are, story. Forget about it. Forget now, you, about would, it. you would think, Brooke, he's got hundreds of buttons over there to push. He's got like four. He okay. just has to push the right one. It's not, it's not hard. I have eight buttons. <laughs> Two are not active. So six. Six buttons. Just give me a break. And this is your Dan, first episode. This is the first this. episode I've ever done it. This is the first episode I've ever done it. Um, Brooke, I'm usually, we're usually better than this, but it's it, just forgive us. It's a Tuesday. It's mm-hmm. a, which feels like a Monday and uh, it is what it is. Uh, welcome to you. Um, we, we love you here. Uh, we feel like we haven't seen you in a Hallmark movie in a while, which is really bumming us out. We're going to get to that and uh, just a little bit, but first tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. Everybody from what I gather, Dan, everybody, um, that's an actor wasn't at some point at some point in their at life some point was. they were not. Got and it. so bring us back to when you were not and how you, uh, kind of figured out that maybe you want to eventually. Uh, well, I actually kind of knew I wanted to be an actor quite early on. Um, I, I mean, I was an artsy fartsy kid, so I, you know, loved my dance classes and my art classes and my, um, you know, whatever school player recital or musical was happening, I was in it. And um, and then I think at some point when I was a young teen, I told my mom, like, ah, I'm getting old. I got to get an agent. <laughs> you know, I got to get in there. Like normal teenagers say to their yeah, mom. Yeah, like, like m- most young teens. That's right. And she thankfully obliged me. And I did get an agent. I think I was 13 the first time I got a professional acting agent. And then I, I got my first role of 13. And then, um, and then the rest is history. Wow. Did, you grew up in Canada, correct? I did. I grew up in Toronto. Okay. <laughs> and there were a lot of gigs for just, did you have a lot of training? I mean, 12, 13 years old. There were a lot of gigs out there for 13-year-old kids in Canada? Well, yeah. I mean, you, there's kids on TV, right? Yeah. So you yeah. just, so it wasn't like just a family trait. You just were like, Hey, this is what I want to do. I'm 13. It's time to be on TV. Yeah. I was a pioneer in my family. Yeah, you were <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a child star? <laughs> um, well, it's hard to say. I feel like, I mean, um, I was a pretty mature 14 year old on TV. Like I, I, I don't feel like I ever grew up like a child star per se, because I still went to school and I still, like, I didn't have a strangely um, sheltered onset life or anything. Or Yeah, you, or weren't ta- you weren't taking classes from a tutor all year while you were acting nonstop. You were still going right. to a traditional. I watched we, a documentary, though, about the kid from E.T., and he went to normal school, too, and they called him E.T., and he was bullied. And what? it was very sad. And I just feel like if I was in E.T., 
people would pro- I would think that people would love me, but he said he was bullied as a kid. Were you bullied for being on TV? Is that no a thing? Way. Um, no, I mean, people, uh, I was on a Nickelodeon show, uh, called Animorphs mm-hmm. when I was, mm-hmm. t- and so people would yell like, morph it. Why don't you morph into a lion? <laughs> yeah, man. How did I you survive? I would have. How did you survive that? Brooke? Yeah. How did you get to where you are now with that kind of bullying? We I became class president and said, ha ha to you all. There you go. Did you really? Were you class yeah, president? I did. Wow. Yeah. What was your slogan? What was your campaign slogan? Well, we can't, we campaigned as uh, me and my best friend in Island. We campaigned as uh, Charlie's Angels, but there was there was two of us, and so the third <laughs> angel was just always nowhere to be found, and really like, you know, just when we needed her to do the work, she just <laughs> was slacking off, and so that was sort of our that was our campaign. Did you you could have made the third angel like whatever the mascot of the what was your school mascot? Well, we were called the Leaside Lancers, so she Lancers. would have been, like, well, she would have been like a lancer, yeah. <laughs> We were, Brandon and I, talk, we do a Saved by the Bell podcast. I know. It's exciting. I love Saved by the Bell. Uh, we, we're re Come on, review an episode You us. should come review an episode with us. Oh, absolutely. We I watch will. an episode every week and we just dig in and talk about it and how, what we thought of it. And it, That was my after school, like, yeah. every, you know, in middle school, I would go, I'd come home, I would, you know, toast a bagel or whatever my after school snack was and I would watch, there were three shows. I would watch, um, do you remember, it was a... Save the planet with cartoons, the environment. Oh, Captain Planet? Captain Planet. Yeah. Captain Planet, Full House and Saved by the Bell. Full House and Saved by the Bell. We were just talking about, like, uh, Mark Paul Gossler talked about how it took him years, like he was a perfectionist, it took him years to get over the stuff that he did on Saved by the Bell because that was his entire life. He never was actually taught how to act. He just was thrown into the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just thrown into the fire and just had to figure it out on his own. Like, did you go to any sort of acting school or was it just kind of a, hey, I started 13. I learned by by making mistakes. Well, that's part of it. Yeah, I definitely learned uh, on set a lot. I, I do remember. I wish I oh, I wish I could remember her name. My mom had taken me to she was like she smoked a lot and was in like the West End of Toronto in this this apartment. But sounded like she was from New York or um, and. Uh, I remember going to her apartment and working on monologues and she would sort of give me pointers. But I just remember after having my acting lesson, like just reeking of smoke. <laughs> I think her name was Kitty or something. I don't it know. would be Kitty. That sounds like Kitty. Yeah, yeah, that Kitty. sounds like Kitty if I've ever heard of Kitty, for sure. She taught me everything I know. There it is. Uh, I love Kitty. Is there, uh, is there a particularly bad audition you can remember from your childhood, like just terrible, like you look back and just cringe thinking about it? I do. I, I do have one of those. I was auditioning for a, it was an MTV show. I'm not going to remember exactly what it was, but it was a, it was a director session. So it was the casting director and like the producers and the director. And, um, I was to play like a supporting role of like the girlfriend, but she gets really jealous and angry because the lead starts being interested in some other girl. And he's like, the director's like, I want you to, I want you to go for it. Like, I want you to get really mad and, uh, you know, like pick up the chair and throw it, or, you know, and I'm thinking, this is my, this is my chance. This is my <laughs> shot to let them, like, I am committed to this character. Yeah. So, uh, you know, take two, I picked up that chair and I threw it and, um, and it put a dent, like on an actual hole in the wall. <laughs> I think they let me finish the take, but then I stopped and then they're like, just all staring at me. And the director's like, well, I didn't actually think you would pick up the chair and throw it. <laughs> I'm very good at following yeah, You got a good, that's, that was a note. You got that, a note from the director and you took it. That's, your, your, yes. that's the director's fault. If, yeah. if you don't want me to do that, you shouldn't say that. But didn't book, I, didn't book the part is what you're saying. I did not book it. And what's worse is about a month or two later when I went to the same casting office to audition for a different role, the hole was still oh, there. Boy. And it's still there to this day. Oh man. Yes. That's brutal. So when did you, you, if your Wikipedia and IMDb birthday is correct, you and I are about the same age, Brooke. I won't tell you about okay. how old that is. I'm 25. Uh, but <laughs> when, uh, when did you realize that I'm going to be able to take this and not just, uh, you know, have a job as a high school kid, but I'm going to make it my, my livelihood. Like, was it well, never, never a question? You just knew that that was going to be you? No, I mean, it was, it was a question because I actually, um, so 
I took like a, a year off after high school. Um, I, I, I applied for a bunch of university programs I was interested in. Um, one was radio and television, uh, which would have been the same area line of work. Um, you would have hired you. Film. Um, another one was communication. So more in the way of journalism. And then another one was maybe doing a, a BA on the way to becoming a lawyer, which my sister did. Mm. Uh, I just play lawyers on TV now. Um, <laughs> I got into all the programs and I was like, I'm going to take a year off. And then I was like, I'm going to go to Hollywood. And then I did. And then I just never came back. Mm. Wow. There you have it. I love that. So before, before you're even 18 years old, you were in three fairly major, um, TV productions that are all horror series. Goosebumps. Yeah. Are you afraid of the dark? Tales from the Crypt Keeper. That's half of your filmography. What, what were you saying? Like, were you just like, hey, is, is there something attract, attractive about being in horror? Or were those the roles that kept casting you? Those are definitely just, I mean, Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps in Canada? One shot in Montreal and the other shot in Toronto. Those were sort of like, if you go back on the roster of kids in those television programs, it's it was sort of like a rite of passage for any young young actor in Canada. So like, Ryan Gosling was on Are You Afraid of the Dark? And um, huh. but who, I mean, you would see a bunch of people that are, who else? I'd have to look and see. But you, you, there'd be a lot of very familiar names when they were like 15 on those shows. Wow. What Goosebumps yeah. episode were you on? What was, the, what was the name? It was the Shocker on Shock Street. It was. Yeah. I've got it, it right was. here. Shocker on Shock Street. I loved Goosebumps. And my brother, hey. <laughs> Mark, um, <laughs> we like to do this thing. He, uh, growing up at least, he could name every single Goosebumps book in order. If you just and so you would just like say 56. 56, Mark. He would, and so occasionally, just randomly on, on the show, show, we'll say Mark fifty six. Like and, we just and did. he'll get back to us months later. So yes, Mark, I wonder what Shocker and Shock Street is. I don't know, but I bet it. But I, I bet, bet he does. Mark knows. Mark That's knows. Right. Um, so. I, I want to go back to this child star thing because I do, I do find it interesting. Like whenever I think of child actors, I do think of Macaulay Culkin and uh, <laughs> just his journey. And um, so like one, how many drugs have you been on? That's a joke. Uh, but is, was there a pressure as a, as a kid to once you, you start booking things? Uh, I, 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 was there this pressure as a kid to, to keep doing it? Or did you have that freedom at least in your house to take it or leave it, to be a kid, not be a kid? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, my, my mom was like the least stage mommy of all moms. She, she would be like, okay, I'm going off to work. Let's appoint somebody on set as your guardian. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my mom gave me real free reign. She also could trust me. I mean, I was a pretty good kid. Um, was it hard to convince her to let you start working or was it pretty easy? No, I think, um, you know, she'd seen how much I lit up on stage and um, I guess she has a story where, Cause I asked her, I was like, mom, how did you know? And she's like, well, honey, you were in these plays and you were like the kid in the second row. You weren't even a, in a big role. And then all the parents would come up to me and say, wow, your daughter just was great. And <laughs> so I kind of stole the limelight from people that were actually starring in shows. Is there a particular play uh, from when you were in like elementary school that stands out as you really doing it? Like you, you played. I like mean, I was one of like the 18 daughters in Pirates of Penzance. So maybe wow, Pirates really stood Penzance. out. That's where it was. The, the buzz yeah. after Pirates of Penzance was just that really, yeah. palatable <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Is so, it? Go ahead. What, how did the money work? How does the money, like when you get, when you're a kid, I've always wanted to know wow, this. Wow, we're getting into it. Like you, you yeah. get, you make money as a 13, 14 year old playing, you know. We asked her before, is there anything we can't ask you about? And she just, she didn't say the money because she would assume no, we wouldn't touch it. But we're getting to it. How, how much money no, have you I made? I don't want need to know how much you got paid, but like, I, clearly it's going to go to your mom. Yeah. Are you? No, just, it goes did, into a trust account. Oh, it goes into a trust account. Um. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that money was great because it, it basically financed my being able to start a career in the States. Wow. Um, and, and I, I couldn't work on, well, I guess I could have gotten a job under the table, but it meant that when I moved to Hollywood, I was able to sort of, uh, you know, live off my earnings and not worry about getting a waitressing job or anything like that. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, you had 26 episodes of Animorphs. So that by itself is going to help you a lot royalty wise. I it mean, did. So that's yeah. fantastic. So you, were you not, you weren't able to touch it until you were, you were 18? 18? 
Uh, no, I mean, I mean, my mom provided for me, so it's not like I mean, the money yeah. was just kind of, just kind of sitting there, and sometimes I'd use it like, oh, I want a new wardrobe for school. Mom's like, go at it, go to the Gap and have fun. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> your mom just sounds like she's a real freewheeler. She's just like, yeah, yeah I. Like, does she want to manage the podcast? Because yeah. she sounds fun. She sounds budget wise. I'm I'm on board. I've been trying to that. let him convince him to let let's buy an arcade game, and it's like no, we can't. But I'm going to ask right. your mom. I'm going to go over his head. I'm going to ask mom. Ask, I asked Brooke Nevin's mom, and she, <laughs> she said, said yes. yes. She said go for it. Mm. She so, said go for it. Brooke, you get to Hollywood. It, what was the first big like? I mean, that you didn't get the first thing that you got to audition Ooh, for that we would have you- we would have heard of that maybe really broke your heart or you were just like, man, I know this is going to be a big deal when it happens and you didn't get it. And you're going to name names. Yeah. (laughs) Guys, there's so many. (laughs) Uh, Give me more than one then. I don't care. (laughs) Well, okay. Gilmore girls. Oh, wow. Oh, Brian's a huge Gilmore girls fan. (laughs) Were were you going to, did you audition for Rory? Yeah. Wow. And you did, you, you felt good about it. Oh, I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Brooke needs to be on the show just permanently. Yeah. She just needs to be reviewing the movies with us and everything. And I, you know what? They did you a favor because Rory's the worst. And I think everybody who watches Gilmore Girls agrees. Rory, she starts out great and then she just becomes the worst. When and you so, were when you were reading the Rory the script for Rory and you I feel like Gilmore you have Girls. opinions right now on Rory and you want to defend well, I, her on I haven't honestly I have I I'm, I don't know the trajectory of Rory over all the seasons. I mean, I have watched the show, but probably not to the extent that you have. So I would I'm say it's like, it's like this. this. It's like this, like it starts here, it goes down, and then back towards the end, it bends back. And then the year and the life, it's just, whoa. Well, I've, I've never seen an episode of Gilmore Girls, but I know it's a big deal. And when you were reading the scripts, like that's a Sherman Palladino. She, the, the, yeah. the writing has a very distinct rat I don't think tap. I knew I had to speak as fast as I needed to. Mm. So probably if I had been in the show, the episodes would have been like 10 minutes longer. <laughs> that's great. Any other ones? Or Gilmore Girls, I don't think you're going to be able to top Gilmore Girls. I mean, guys, there really are so many. That's just the nature of being an actor. Yeah. There's way more no's than yeses. But well, is there one that you felt like you felt really good about it and maybe you got far along in the process and then and then it just didn't work out because that's also the nature. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I auditioned to uh, in a rom-com with Meryl Streep. Whoa. Play her daughter and I didn't get it. I got all the way as far as having a chemistry read with John Krasinski, which was super rad. And then also a chemistry read uh, with another actress in the movie. Um, and I met the director and then they just, they went with somebody wow. else. Wow. We, you know, what's crazy is, is actors have such thick skin. Like nobody, like you're not, you're, you're over it. Like we had a actor on who almost got the role that Paul Dano got in. There will be blood with Paul Thomas Anderson. And Mm. uh, it was Tyler Hines. Who's also from Canada. And he, he, you'd think that he would just carry that around like a weight. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. I didn't get it. Like it was tough. I didn't watch the movie because I really wanted the role, but whatever. It's crazy how once you're in that business, you just know it's the nature of the business. You're going to get some of them. You're not going to get some of them. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when they're when I've really geared myself up for something and, you know, sometimes you do that. What if like, oh, what will my life be like when I get this role? Um, and so if you key into that too much, then the 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 drop off, the emotional drop off can be a little steeper. Um, but, you know, sometimes I'll allow myself a good day to just. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I am known in my my friend and family circles for being pretty good at moving on. I got you. What was the first big break when you got to Hollywood? What was the first thing you booked when you got to Hollywood? Uh, my very first role was actually on a short lived Fox series starring Olivia Wilde called skin. Yep. And it was a Romeo and Juliet story about the daughter of a porn magnet and the son of the district attorney. Wow. Wow. And I played Olivia Wilde's best friend. There you have it. I saw Olivia Wilde at a restaurant in New York City once. That's just, a good, that's a a good fun, story, Brian. That's about as close as that, that has ever had. <laughs> um, on the, the, the inverse question, is there, and you don't have to name names this time, but has there ever been something where you booked it and you're doing it and you're like, boy, I wish I didn't get this? <laughs> uh, 
Um, no, because no, seriously, no, because I am grateful for every do- job. Mm, and I nice save, nice save, nice really good save. Yeah, <laughs> Brooke, you've been on a th- well, I count three, there's more, but three very long running American procedurals. Uh, no, yes. I'm sorry. If we count Smallville, because we have to, that's a, that show was on forever. Without a Trace, Smallville, Supernatural, CSI, all, all of those were on the air for over a decade. They, they're Grey's Anatomy. You, you yep. know, that, that's been on, that was on the, you know, which one of those is the most memorable experience for you? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, um, I mean, Grey's Anatomy was really great because I was a super fan of the show. And so when I got to work on it, I had maybe a little mini crush on McSteamy. <laughs> Who um, wouldn't? So though? much so that when I, I I saw him at a restaurant after we'd filmed the show, I was with Michael, and I was like, "Oh, where's McSteamy?" And uh, <laughs> he came up, <laughs> he came up to our table to say. Um, Hey, you know, we just had a view and chew. It's basically when they, uh, the cast and crew will watch an episode before it airs during lunch as they're filming another episode. And, um, he, he just wanted to say, Oh, it turned out really well. And there was like the sort of a comedic aspect to the episode that tracked and he, he was, they were all happy with it. So he just wanted to let me know. And I was like, Oh, great. And I was just moony eyed for the rest <laughs> of like walking to the car. And I was just, like standing at the driver's seat, just waiting for Michael to let me in. He's like, honey, I drove. <laughs> gotcha. That's Patrick Dempsey, right? McSteamy's no, Patrick that's, Dempsey? No, that's McDreamy. Okay. McSteamy is Eric. Um, I, I've never seen the I show. I don't even remember his name. Oh, good. So l- l- lasting impact so for sure. <laughs> well, we all know Michael. Don't yeah. you worry. Yeah, Michael Trainer. You can't forget Michael. Stone Cold Fox. Uh, what's uh, you, you've played just so many shows, so many different characters. Is there one that comes to mind as your favorite character? Maybe not your, the, your favorite uh, performance or the favorite show you've ever done or whatever, but the favorite character that you've ever had a chance to play and that, uh, that you really enjoyed? Um, I mean, I had a ball playing... Um, a character on there was this HBO Canada series called Call Me Fitz with Jason Priestley. Okay. Who starred as sort of this morally bankrupt car salesman, used car salesman. Although I kind of feel like the morally bankrupt in front of used car salesman. <laughs> yeah, you're saying a lot of the words that are the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I played the secretary there who's just sort of pining after her, him. We come to find out that she is actually in a rumspringa. Oh, wow. Which, which was like a season three, season two reveal that I didn't, you know, we, I didn't know creating the character, but then everything clicked into place. and like, oh, that makes so much more sense now. But uh, she, was, you know, wore her heart on her sleeve and was really, um, I don't know. I just had a soft spot for her. Her name was Sonia. Which one of these, um, you're so many different proceed like Chicago, all of these shows, which one of these procedurals runs the most like a well-oiled machine? Like they all have to, right? They all yeah. are just clicking, but which one of them were you just shocked at the efficiency with which they moved and their, their purpose and pace? I mean, I would say CSI was yeah. pretty, they yeah. had it down. I mean, I think I was, when I was on the show, they were into season 13. Good gosh. Um, and they're all pros. I mean, I, my dad, I, I was Ted Danson's daughter on yeah. the show. Like That's he right. knows what he's doing. Yes. Ted Danson's um, been in a few TV shows. Yeah. Just a few. <laughs> yeah. He was a dream. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was definitely well, well machine. And to bring it back to say by the bell, you know, who is a psychotic killer and his twin stalking our family on CSI was Mark Paul Gossler. That's right. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. I remember those episodes. Like I, CSI was the only procedural that I stuck with pretty much to the end. Um, wow. I didn't commitment. quite get to the end. I, after a while, I was like, okay, I, I got to stop. But I remember those, ep- like I remember watching the show when Ted Dance was on. I remember you on the show. I remember all of that because it was uh, Gil Grisman, Lawrence Fishburne, and then Ted Danson was like the That's new right. lead of the show. So Mark Paul Gossler did play a, a killer on the show, which is wild to me. And his e- more evil twin. Yes, that's right. 
And that just shows how good of an actor he is, because we range. all know he would never kill him. <laughs> he would never. Not Mar- not Zach. Not, not Zach. Not Zach Moore. Um, let's talk a little bit about Hallmark, because I think it's you're, it's so interesting. We'll get to like how, how that relationship started, but I think it's interesting. So many of the... Um, the actresses in these movies are, you know, they, they, they use the same ones. We have these, uh, you know, uh, CCB and Lacey that are in every year and you kind of do them here and there and you, you've, you're, you're kind of working around it. How do you, uh, one, how'd you get synced up with Hallmark? But two, how do you kind of view Hallmark in the grand scheme of, of kind of what you do? Cause it almost seems like, it's like, I think of it as, as dessert, like you're doing these other things, but then you're doing a Hallmark and it's these nice, sweet little yeah, it's like the sprinkles on top of a of a acting role Sunday. Yeah, that's exactly sure. right. Yeah. No. Um, well, my very first job with Hallmark was um, called "Come Dance at My Wedding." Okay, I will. And uh, yeah, why don't you? Why don't you? <laughs> and I played uh, the owner of a dance studio uh, that was left to me, <clears throat> and I come back. No, I'm where I am. Sorry. John Schneider plays my father and he comes back into the small town to um, part of the studio is left to him. And so anyways, this is a really bad synopsis. He comes back. (laughs) Sounds great. And and, uh, I'm about to get married and I'm trying to figure out whether I want to keep the studio going or move on to new things. And he basically convinces me to keep the studio, the dance studio. And then we, we dance at my wedding. So, so that was, if IMDb is correct, that was 09. Sure, um, yeah. And then, do, do you not do another one until 2015? Does that sound right? Yeah, or, that's right. Oh, well, sign still delivered. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that, so was that, 20, that, yeah, that was 2015. 2015. Yeah. yeah. So 2015, and then you were in the 12th day of, of Christmas, and then you worked with CCB, which you very exciting as a Full House fan. You get to, But that was an interesting one because you played uh, not the, the leading gal. You played... Uh, you know, a dis- amazing cop, which was our favorite part of the movie. That's right. Was, was, that, was, was, was that relationship for sure. Yeah. So, uh, but what- we love CCB, Brooke. <laughs> I love CCB. I didn't even, now I know that she's got this cute, you know, short name, CCB. You know, you, no one's ever, is that just us? Is it just us that calls her CCB? No. I don't, I'm not sure. This is the first time I've heard it. Well, we you can have it. Yeah, we say CCB on a regular uh, basis. I will too now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you did you take that not as a leading role just because it was CCB? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a Full House fan, you have to. You can't not. There's no question. I mean, imagine getting pitched this as a Full House fan, and I would take this job too. Uh, it's not the leading role, but it is a time-traveling movie. Opposite, Opposite, Opposite DJ Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who's not taking that? Come on. In a second. Yeah. yeah. How was it like working with CCB? It was a dream. <laughs> it's everything you would expect it to be. Mm, yeah. He is uh, kind and thoughtful and prepared and um, totally invested in the story and her character and a professional and cares about who she works with and is just one of these. One of these days, I'm going to get somebody to say something bad about CCB <laughs> and I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. She's- as soon as I get it done, I'm going to quit. Um, so you, you've got, we're just going to let that linger just a little longer. Okay. Just um, we, we have a, a very interesting relationship with CCB. She'll be Don't on worry. Okay. Yeah, she will. Have uh, you ever interviewed? No, us? no. That's part of the interesting relationship, Brooke. Okay. Uh, you got her number? You want to just, you want to patch her in right on, now? Shoot just, it on over. Just patch her in. Yeah, and, I'll just text her right now. Hey, yeah. CCB, just, we don't, we're not going to, they're not going to ask you like, this yeah. is my interview. You just can watch. That's right. You can just watch it and enjoy it. What is, uh, Working on a Hallmark movie versus working on the the 112 TV shows that you've been on, you know, so many actors say, "Hey, we're we're doing this. We got 100 some pages. We got all these locations. We got 15 days." But like, you're a TV pro. Like, you've been doing like what you do. They put out a 45 minutes to an hour long show every week, and you finish it in a week. So, what's more difficult, doing a show like CSI? and making sure it's all done well or doing doing a movie like uh, like, like a Hallmark movie where you're the lead? Well, to be clear, I've never done it for 45 straight weeks, a CSI episode. I kind of pop in as a guest star. I wish I could do it for 45 straight weeks. But like you were on several shows for like a ton of episodes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, like like uh, Breakout um, Kings. You were on 20-some episodes of Breakout Kings. What, yeah. t- 10 in a row. 10 episodes of that in a row. Is that more grueling or having to do get it right the first time 15 days on homework? Um, hmm. 
here's the thing. I've done I've done movies too in twelve days, and that's also I, I think that's even harder. I um so uh, is it grueling? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of dialogue, but I, I I've never I've never found it um, overwhelming. Um, but I, I think it's probably is because of I'm used to the fast pace of television. Do you appreciate getting to build a character on TV more, or do you appreciate the complete arc of of a character in a Hallmark movie? Uh, I love a complete arc. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot about procedural TV where, I mean, unless it's a drama, you have a bit more leeway. The guest star characters in drama TV are sort of more exciting sometimes because you almost get your full arc within an episode. And it's the leads of the show that sort of remain the same or their arcs are drawn out over a season or two. Um, So, you know, when you're a guest star in a long-running show, that almost is its own arc as well. Yeah, yeah. Makes Um, sense. But yeah, I love creating a character from beginning to end. Um, I like the challenge of that. And I, I like making sure that, you you know, you don't have to show the whole character in every scene. So it's it's nice to figure out at which points during the story you get to reveal certain aspects of the character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Re- remind us, because it's been uh, almost two years now and 200 movies later, uh, Jingle Around the Clark was your last Hallmark one, and you and Michael were involved with the creative process, right? Did you? you- yes. Uh, we created a, it was a treatment for the story that we sold to Hallmark, and then it, uh, it, they, uh, filled it out into a script and that became jingle around the clock. So they're going in a, like a different direction. Now homework is and, and being more inclusive and having movies that don't follow the exact same formula, but jingle around the clock for 2018 stood out. Like I having watched it, I still remember that movie because it's about a group of five friends. There's a lot more going on than just the standard beats of a homework movie. How reticent was homework? to take that on? Like how much pushback did you get to have something that was a little bit closer to how I met your mother than it was, uh, you know, a standard Hallmark movie. You know, um, based on our treatment, the addition of the friend group was actually a wonderful creative license that, uh, one of our screenwriters Zach took. So he added that friend element, which was such a beautiful, I, I mean, there were supporting characters and, um, we had a, a best friend in our treatment, but he sort of added this, fr- um, group, friend group in the final iteration of jingle around the clock. Um, and I remember when I, when I read it the first time, it was this really interesting, fresh take on, on how to celebrate Christmas. Um, it was more friend group focused versus, uh, family focused because Elle needed to create her own family. Um, and I, I loved it. I thought it was a really great extension of, of the seed of story that we had, um, provided and i i think that if we can have more stories like that 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 are new iterations on sort of the same theme then it will be great yeah is it is it something that you want to do more of uh and maybe maybe you have um outside of hallmark but doing more of the creative stuff behind the scenes uh is that something that you're you're really enjoying want to do more of i love it i i do love creating story um I was always like an imaginative kid and, you know, making up stories in my head. So this feels like a really natural extension. And in the time that we've talked, I've actually directed my first movie. Wow. How was that? It was uh, one of the hardest things I've ever done and the most rewarding. It was fantastic. And I can't wait to do it again. What did you direct? Well, very off genre for Hallmark. It uh, actually the movies will be pre- premiering September twentieth on Lifetime. Okay. And it's in the thriller genre. Nice. And are you ready for it, you guys? I'm the ready. Title? I don't know if you're ready. I'm ready. I'm sitting down. I'm ready. Okay, good. I'm gonna say it in one of those like uh, trailer movie voices though, because okay. I think it sounds better that way. Okay. Okay, ready? Here we go. Her deadly sugar daddy. Her Deadly Sugar Daddy is the name of this movie. And you it's a Brooke Nevin joint. You directed it. It's a Brooke Nevin original. I, I mean, I didn't write the movie, but I directed it, yeah. Oh, did you star in it as well, or are you just directing? That would have been too many plates to spend, for sure. Wow. So, so you, people that do that, that direct and act, can you, can you fathom that? Because that's a, that's a whole lot of stuff. 
I mean, I think you'd have to have a really great support system in terms of a creative producer and a DP who, you know, the, the vision's definitely shared. And you'd have to have enough time to be able to do playback if you needed or wanted to. Um, we certainly, I mean, when I talk about doing a movie in 12 days, that was, that's a thriller. That's a 90 minute movie that we shoot in 12 days. So that's even three days less than a Hallmark shoot. Um, wow. So, so what was the process like, uh, getting like transitioning into directing? Like, how did you find that opportunity? Did you go out, were you out searching for it, asking for Have it? Have you worked with Lifetime before? Yeah. Uh, I hadn't worked with Lifetime. I, uh, this was born out of a relationship I have with a production company called Cartel Entertainment. Uh, and I'd worked with them years ago on a movie called The Wrong Mother. Um, <laughs> just have to say all the titles. I love it. I love it. Uh, and I did a, a, a movie with them last summer. Um and I had expressed to one of the producers how I had started to shadow on some shows. Um, so I, I shadowed on Freeform's Good Trouble. And um, he said, well, why don't you shadow our next movie? And we'll, we'll see how it goes. So I shadowed two of their thrillers. And then they gave me my first movie, which is wow. when I think about it, it's like the amount of trust, uh, you know, to give a first time director a 90 minute movie was I will forever be grateful to that producer. So, so do you mean, it was 12 days? Yeah. How many of those days were you just like, I guess I'll, I guess I'll figure it like uh, what, what day were you like, okay, I got it. I got it. We can, I can do this. Uh, well, I had to be really prepared before we started. There yeah. was no room for error. Um, I, I mean, I felt I, we had a really good start. I think by, Day three, I was feeling like, okay, this is going well. My actors trust me. We're getting our days, you know. So I got to ask you this. There's so yeah. many actors that we have on here who work with Hallmark, and they say something to the effect of, look, when you're shooting a Hallmark movie, you get one take. Sometimes you get two takes. You can't sit there and go, can I have another one? That, that, that we're moving. We got all these locations. Being on the other side of that, knowing that, and then being the director, how many times were you like, that's going to have to be good enough. Like how many times, Brooke, be honest, we're, we're, you weren't like, man, that's great. You were like, well, bleh, it's a three of 10, but we've got a day to make. Okay. So in every, <laughs> in every movie, there are a couple of scenes that are like the anchor scenes of the movie. And, and they're a pivot point emotionally or a plot point that's really important. And you have to choose your battles, right? So I definitely gave um, priority to those scenes. And I am a little bit of a perfectionist. And I had my first AD be like, Brooke, we got to move on. we got to move on because he's looking at the clock. And I want to make sure that I am honoring my actors' performances and getting the best out of them. So definitely I am one to be like, let's just do one more and, you know, run in and give a note and come back out. Um, that being said, I'm very happy with the scenes that I felt you know, needed to get what we needed to get. And then there are a couple of like, ah, it'll work out in the edit. No. Mm, makes sense. Being an actor, I imagine you've worked with some really great directors and some directors that are not as great. Um, <laughs> and so what, uh, what would you say uh, makes a good director and who are some directors that you've worked with that you kind of are, are trying to maybe model your directing style uh, after? Oh, that's a great question. Um, the directors that I've loved working with the most normally were very calm on set, but also very inclusive and happy to be there. So that was definitely something that I try to bring into um, bring into the workspace and have that energy on set. Um, I, I've loved collaborative and inclusive directors that that they know that the actors have spent the most time with that one particular character and value uh, that collaboration. So I try to be very collaborative. I think that's the most exciting part of filmmaking anyways. Um, and then, you know, there are some amazing directors like Gavin Hood did the pilot for Breakout Kings and he's an award-winning, an Oscar award-winning director. And in his level of, um, trust in performance sometimes 
when somebody trusts you with a performance and then and then pushes you, um, you can get a lot of really interesting, subtle performances with that amount of trust. And it's really encouraging to have that as an actor on the other side of the lens. Um, uh, yeah. You're, you're, uh, you know, Ron Oliver is one of the, I, I would, I would gander that I, as a Hallmark actress, I probably worked with Ron Oliver first, but it wasn't on a Hallmark project. Oh, really? Yeah. He, I worked with him on Animorphs oh. when I was 15. Wow. He did, I don't know, maybe four or five episodes. So funny. And he was as fun then to work with as I, I he's hear. So he's we hear guy. that he just is, makes it just such a show when yeah. you're, you do a Ron Oliver he, picture. Back in the 90s, when we, he would bring his boom box to set. And then when they were relighting, we would, he would just play like dance music. I he mean, was, what? what a guy. What a just, he's, he just is one of a kind. Yeah, I want to. I want to know, and this might, this is probably overly nerdy, but I'm interested in it. Doing doing a more, uh, th- we'll just call it a thriller for the sake of a genre. A um, yeah. So, directing a thriller, how much of a thriller um, is done in post versus oh, every, everything? So much. Obviously, you have to set up your shots. Uh, you know, you, I mean, for one thing, you're shooting nights a lot. So yeah. that, that in itself is a thriller aspect because um, you want to have a lot of dark shadows with, you know, sounds and, and figures lurking in the dark. Right. That's a very important part. So that is just in the, the actual filming itself. Um, but I would say edit, the, the timing of the edit and, and sound design is a huge aspect of creating thriller moments. Have you, have you, is there a, a genre of movie or TV show that you've not had a chance to perform in that you would really like to? Oh, you know, I've, I've done some, um, sitcoms, but I never had a live audience when I filmed them. So oh. I didn't know I your mother, but it's filmed without a live audience. Um, and that would be really fun to do it in front of a live audience. Live audience for sure. Uh, your Wikipedia page says that you speak French. Um, have you you used that, uh, in any of your filmography? Have you had a role where you've, you've spoken French? Oh, you know, it's always been my dream to be like, play like the American or Canadian girl in a French movie. (laughs) And so even if my French is not very good, they'd be like, Oh, ça va. Like, you know, (laughs) uh, I would love to, to film, a movie in France and have to speak French. That would be so cool. Mm, add it to the bucket list. Maybe direct that. There you go. Just, sure. just go. do it. Yeah. Um, and before we get to the rapid fire, um, you know, we didn't get a, a Brooke Nevin Christmas movie last year, which sad. Made, made our hearts sad. Yeah. Um, 2020. Is it, what do you think? Looking any better? Well, um, you know, if Hallmark invites me to come do a Hallmark movie in the next month, then maybe. Uh Oh, so you're saying no right now. I'm saying let's just keep our, our doors open, our opportunities open. I got you. Because yeah. but you have a month window is what you're saying. Yeah, or two two months. I mean they turn we all know they can turn them around pretty quick. Okay, oh, so you're yeah. put I didn't know if you had something after a month that you, you like I have you're just saying if it happens it's on them yeah. at this point. But and also, you will be first to know. Yeah, well that's we I, we like to hear that. But but yeah. also I, you strike me as someone that has such an eclectic filmography that Hallmark is just a, a little part of it. Like you don't, you know, Hallmark is not the bread and butter of your acting career. Like some people are Hallmark veterans. It's the sprinkles. That's what we were saying. You were, you're, you just kind it's, of, yeah. you just There's do it on occasion. Sprinkles. I mean, I love, I love the sprinkles. Love the sprinkles. <laughs> love the sprinkles. I, 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 I am one of those people that eats ice cream for sprinkles. That's weird to me. My kids, my kids love sprinkles. I don't give me, give me, give me the sprinkles. Um, we're going to go, go to the rapid fire where we each get to ask you three questions. Um, and you, you have to answer them. It's really more about the honesty than it is about the brevity. What's more important, uh, uh, how fast I am or how honest I am? How honest Honest. you are. That's what's most important. Gotcha. Right. Dan, uh, what's the best meal in Toronto? I don't live there anymore, so it's hard to say. But um, all right, what's the best meal in Los Angeles or Montreal or wherever you live? What's the best meal in okay. Los Angeles? Hollywood best, best meal. Best meal in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, Gracias Madre. And mm-hmm. anything, anything That's on their menu is not amazing. the first time we've heard that. Is that a vegetarian place? Are it you, is. You're a vegetarian. Uh-huh. 
I'm not, but I I enjoy a good vegan or vegetarian dish. I gotta be honest. If you're not a vegetarian and a like a, that place is still on the top, I've got to go because really I'm not a vegetarian. But if you're not a vegetarian and saying Gracias Madre is the place, because you're not the first person that's given that answer uh, on the show, which is crazy. It, it's tough. Yeah. Um, we're getting close to fall. I mean, I think we're we're it's after Labor Day. Yeah. Um, and so I'll ask you a Halloween question. What was what, thinking back to Halloween? What was your favorite uh, favorite costume? You ever had a tap dancing gecko? Wow, we need some more is information. There, <laughs> is there? Are there pictures? Yeah, I mean, there's photo evidence. There might even be a video somewhere. Uh, I mean, I, you know, anytime you can do a meta costume that has like a costume and a costume is my favorite. <laughs> So it wasn't just a gecko. It was a gecko with a sparkly vest, a cane, and a <laughs> did you? Does this? How old are you at this time? I mean, an adult still. You were an adult when this happened. So you said, like, somebody, somebody mentioned Gecko, but I'm workshopping this, and it just works better to me if the backstory is like a Gregory Hines kind of thing, like yeah. full tap dancing. That's fantastic. Is it? So it's like the, it's like yeah. the Geico Gecko, but, like, after he's done shooting, yeah. going go, gonna to go tap. That's right. You got to. Yeah. And I, we need pictures. It's a Savian Glover phase yeah. she was in. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. The best movie you've ever seen in the theater. Uh, I'm going to have to go with um, whatever Tom Cruise's last, uh, was it Top Gun? You know, the one where he does his own helicopter. Fallout, stuff. Mission Impossible Fallout. It's crazy. Yeah, he jumped from almost outer space. Yeah. He's crazy. Yeah, he's nuts, but it was amazing to see in the theater. There's no doubt about yeah. it. I'm with you. So good. Yeah. Um, I just got back from vacation. You know, on vacation, you sometimes you watch stuff that you normally wouldn't just because of time. I watched um, this show on Netflix where they uh, they uh, sell houses in the Hamptons, like really fancy houses. And I imagine, and if I lived in Hollywood, I would... Um, try to go see houses that even if I couldn't afford them, I just want to see them because there's so many beautiful houses. Be honest, have you ever went and toured a house that you had no interest in buying? You just wanted to see it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a normal yeah. Hollywood thing to do. Is it a normal, <laughs> like, does everyone do that? I mean, I don't know if everyone does it. I mean, I've done it, but I'm, I'm also like one of those people where I get very curious about how people live. Like if I'm driving down the street at night or taking my dog for a walk and people's, living rooms are lit up and you can see inside their windows. I love peering into people's windows. Not peering like, I'm not going out <laughs> the window and looking inside, but I like seeing the tableaus of life. This got weird. Yeah, we, I mean, we yeah. can take that out, yeah. but we can take that so out like, and post if you want to. You know, I was watching too. TV the other night and my window was open and I swear there was a tap dancing gecko <laughs> Hey, do you at, my window. At, at night, do you ever feel like someone's watching you? It could be Brooke. It could be Brooke. It could be Brooke. <laughs> Bro you, be, you can believe it. Close your blinds. If you don't want, if I mean, you don't want me to look, close come your blinds. On. <laughs> it's really on you at that point. So, Brooke, uh, what is the thing that Canadians have or do or make better than the United States? Hmm. This is my thinking face. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. No, it's good. Um make or do kitty taught you that, that right? they make other canadians other canadians that yeah. is an no, answer we have not <laughs> yeah. we, we've we've had i'm looking on the family feud board and not seeing anything <laughs> it's a up. it's a good answer <laughs> good, a, good, good answer, answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 i love that <laughs> wow Boy, that is <laughs> something um I had a really, really good one. Oh boy, and it was it was funny and it was thoughtful. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, get, get get one more because Panda's not here, and you can just ask one more while I think because it was so good. You want me to ask a fourth question? Yes, I want you to ask a fourth question in honor Wait, of okay. Panda. Did you take up these these? Yes. We, like you yeah. don't have your rapid fire list. Oh no. lord, no. I've got some go tos. Oh. Here's one of my go tos. What's the okay. most expensive drink? that you've ever consumed or purchased. So either someone bought it for you or you bought it yourself and you drank it. Most expensive drink. I mean, some of those like per glass, I mean, probably it was a bottle of wine. Okay. What, how much was it? How much was the, and what, what kind of wine was it? You don't know? I don't know. Okay. 
It's a good bottle of wine. Hopefully you forget how much it was. That's true. That's true. That's true. Somebody said that they, I think the most, the most expensive bottle of wine we had was right around a thousand bucks. So I don't know. Like, I didn't know if you could top that or not. And then like Brennan Elliott told us that there was like a $200 shot of tequila he took while on vacation with his family. Yeah. Um, I forgot my really good one, but I'll ask you this one. Um, Have you, you know, you've, you've uh, been around for uh, in the business and you've met a lot of people. Has there anybody who, who's the person who you were the most starstruck to meet? Um, well, obviously McSteamy for a moment. That's, that's an easy one, but starstruck. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it would have to be out of context or like, I, I wish I could say I get starstruck easily. Um, but I, I don't have one at the tip of my tongue. Listen, when you've worked with CCB, I mean, I mean, it's all downhill from it's there. It's all down. It's, it's yeah, for sure. It could be CCB. She's I, lived your. She's lived your dream. She's done a sitcom in front of a live audience. So. That's right. I think you should go when they when Netflix brings back Fuller House for fullest house. Fullest house. I think you should the, be in there. The fullest the of fullest, all the houses. The fullest of all the houses. That's right. Uh, Brooke, it's it was a blast having you on, getting the chat. Um, tell people about how they can. Um, uh, peer into the windows of your social media life. Uh, that was so terrifying. It was, it was good. Uh, uh, where, where are you at on like the internet? That. How can people uh, uh, keep track of you? Uh, I can be found on Twitter. I'm at Brooke Nevin on Twitter and at the real Brooke Nevin on Instagram. And when's the Sugar Daddy movie coming out? Uh, her Deadly Sugar Daddy. That's it. Is, is premiering <laughs> on Lifetime September 20th. Fantastic. That's my wife's birthday, and she's going to be yeah. like, hey, can we you go out? Can, can, yeah, can, can, can right. we go out for my birthday? No. no. It's the Sugar Daddy That's movie. Right. It's on. <laughs> Been waiting. I told, I told Brooke I wouldn't. Nothing I could do about it. Uh, Brooke, it was a Thank joy. Thank you so much, Brooke. Um, and we hope to see Thank you this God. holiday season. Um, and it, either way, let us be the first to wish you a Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Deck the Hallmark is a Bramble Jam podcast. It's presented by Friendly TV and recorded live in Greenville, South Carolina at the Bramble Jam Podcast Network Studios. It's produced by Brandon Gray. You can find out more information at deckthehallmark.com.